We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 56 of the pod. Uh, sure. With Matt yeah, I love, I love sure. Yeah, sure. Every time. Why not? It's dark. It's, 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 well, it is, it's, all, not, it's on me too because I don't remember everything. They all blend together. Time. They all blend together into one meld of award-winning podcasting. What award that is yet, we don't know, but we're here for you guys, the listeners. We appreciate you guys tuning in as always with Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso. It's playoff time in a couple leagues. We've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, some other leagues gearing up uh, and some big news across all sporting platforms with sports gambling. Uh, the the field uh, changing a little bit here. Sports, Joe. Yeah, fi- you know, it, it, I, I don't know how it works. For so long. what do we do? Is, what do we? So you, do just, like- you pick you pick a team and you you get money if your team wins or who do I what, give the money to? What is what is? Why are there numbers when, next to each? Minus one forty. Do I owe you one hundred and forty dollars before we even it. bet? I, yeah, I'm not do sure. You cost one hundred forty dollars to place the bet. Oh. I don't like sports betting. I don't no, like stupid. it. stupid. Nobody should do it. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, we'll dig into that. But first, let's talk a little crosstown. We are a Chicago podcast. Cubs versus Sox this past weekend. Cubs take two of three. Uh, the Sox salvage their their names in Sox the third game. They did. If you wanna if you wanna spin this into a positive, but oh, uh, the pitching staff pitching staff struggled in the first two days. Uh, how was I? First of all, I want to get you put your Put your thumb on the pulse because you're kind of at the epicenter there at uh, NBC the Sports Chicago. Sure. Gauge the interest in Crosstown because I remember there's been ebbs and flows over the past years. I remember as a kid, it was huge. Jose Valentin hitting walk-off home runs. What's Sammy going to do? There was, like, there was always the grand allure to it, and I feel like in years past, it's, it's decreased in its allure. And then I kind of felt maybe a few years ago – when the Cubs were were hitting their stride and the Sox were really committing to the rebuild, people were engaged again. What was the engagement like this year with the Crosstown? You know, for me, I think the one thing I noticed is that the buildup for it is still always, you know, big. I still think people still get very excited for it. Mm-hmm. But this year, more than ever, kind of once it hit, I think, especially with how it hit in that first inning, uh, with the Cubs going up five nothing on Carson Fulmer, like right away, uh, I think is a quick reminder of oh, this probably isn't really a competitive series. Like I, yes, the Cubs are going to take two or three, if not sweep, and they ended up only being two out of three. But as a Sox fan, like I didn't expect any anything less than that. I don't think Cubs yeah. fans expected. So it's it's not like these were two playoff teams going at it and they're going for bragging rights. Of course, Cubs fans have bragging rights right now. They're the much better team, and that's because it's by design that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like when that hit, and especially how it hit, the fact that they weren't really even close games that they were kind of over with fairly early on, at least in, in the first two, it kind of took a little bit of the interest out. I actually expect the second series coming up in September to, to have a lot more, uh, you know, big game type feel to it. That, those are going to be three yeah. on the south side towards the end of September. The way the Cubs are going right now, they're probably still going to be in a, a division race. I, I still think they're going to win that division. I'm not sure they're going to pull away with it and be done by September, though. Those are three three games that could matter, and I think you're going to see the White Sox with, you know, 
some some prospects up that are actually going to be part of the you know the, the future. I think. Yeah, so it'll be more more storylines. Yeah, going like into this, the this team's roster, the White Sox had what three players, three players in their lineup that are mm-hmm. maybe going to be there. Uh, you know, five years down the road, two years down the road, whatever it is, when this team starts to get good. But I think you'll see, you know, some bigger names. Hopefully, one of them's Eloy Jimenez. But guys like that up actually playing for the Sox, you'll see them in the mm-hmm. cell. With you know, they're not going to be playing for anything, but they'll have a chance to play spoiler against one of their rivals. And I think you'll see them playing a little bit more of a playoff type atmosphere because those games in the crowds themselves, kind of when they're there, they still have a little bit more you know big game feel to them. And I think yeah. that's going to be much more of the rivalry type series. This one was. I mean, it, it, it wasn't really a fair matchup at this point. And it kind of feeds into my point that I don't know whether or not uh, there can be any adjustments in it, but I think they've fallen victim to scheduling in the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. A couple last few years, they only played four times, correct, when interleague Yeah, they moved. did four, and then they um, did four in a row. So it was two yeah, in the they cell. Did four, they two did four, they did four in a row. And I think time of the season, as you were saying, really matters too. I think these should be June, July series. It's a summer event. You got to get. Oh, I got tickets to Cubs Sox. Let's go to Cubs Sox. Oh, I got to go down to the cell. Or oh, let's mm-hmm. go up to Wrigley. Or whatever, whatever the actual viewing and ex- fan experience is going to be is always better in the summer months. June, July, August, not bad. You get to September and May, and we're a little early on one side. We're a little late on the other. It's not smack in the middle. It's not close to the all-star game. It's not when baseball is in center stage. You know, we have NHL playoffs right now. We have NBA playoffs right now. The NBA draft lottery coming. Like, there's a lot of other things going on in the sports world where a weekend of Cubs Sox baseball kind of comes and goes as a flash in the pan. I will agree with you on the early part of that because I do think Mm -hmm. this is, I think, honestly, this series caught some people by surprise. I don't think a lot Mm -hmm. of people realized it was Cubs Sox until Thursday. Obviously, you know, I knew it because we've been working on stuff for it all week. So, But even, like, when I got into work, you know, last week or whatever, and it's like, oh, it's already coming up this week. Like, that that happened quickly. I do think, though, having that September game, that September feel to it, while the weather might not be as great as it might be in the middle of July, I do mm-hmm. think that gives you the opportunity. Like, imagine next like, – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but say the Cubs are in a dogfight with the Cardinals and you know, the Sox come out and take two out of three in late September from the Cubs. And, yeah. and, you know, the Cubs end up losing the division by a game. Like, and, and you yeah. know, they don't go to the playoffs or they have to go to the wild card, whatever. Then you got if, if that yeah. game has something to do, if that series ends up impacting the Cubs' playoff chances, that's mm-hmm. going to be a storyline. Sox fans are going to have, you know, they're going to brag about it for the rest of the time. And then those bragging rights lead to bigger rivalries. And I think next year you'll see, it'll probably go back to just four games, I would think, but you'll see bigger buildup bigger talk and kind of bigger emotion into that series. And I think that's what it's missing, the fact that these games haven't had any meaning to them. And that neither, you know, one or the other has, has been bad. Usually it's been the Sox recently. But I think that chance, you know, that three-game set late September really has a chance to, you know, provide a jolt back into this rivalry we haven't really seen since, like, you know, 08, 09. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sox losers in 11 of their last 13 matches. That what good? is something that's not very good? I don't know. <laughs> no. Depends what you're trying to do. But, uh, if winning is what you're trying to do, it's not good. Yeah. Um, what's something you found out about either one of these ball clubs over the weekend? What's something you learned about the Cubs or the Sox that maybe you didn't know prior to the series? I, I, I'm going to say, I, I don't know if I learned it about the Sox as a whole, but I think what we saw from Lucas Giolito on Sunday was a very encouraging sign. He still didn't have his command. He struggled with location all year, but he had 
he struggled in the first, and it could have gone, you know, one of two ways. It could have gone like it had for Shields and Fulmer in the first couple innings in, in games one and two, where they just kind of blew up, and you know, game was over after the second inning. Or he could have settled down and figured out. And he eventually settled down, battled through, despite not having his best stuff, not having his best location. He actually figured things out. You know, held the Cubs to three runs in six innings, got the quality start. And eventually, you know, the Sox ended up winning that game. So I think that, that for me, was the, the biggest takeaway from the series. The uh, staying power. Yeah, that, that I think that's something for him to build off for a guy who doesn't have the highest confidence and, and who is looking for something to build off. Uh, for, for me, that's huge. And, and for the Cubs, I, I, I'm hoping for them that this was the kind of coming out party for Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Um, he, I think, had, he had seven RBIs in game one. I think he added three or four more in game two. And he's been kind of the one guy. I'm not going to say that a disappointing start to to 2018, but he's been a little bit slower than people have thought. I, I know he teased a little bit of an MVP run last year before he got hurt, and I think people were expecting that to happen. Uh, it didn't happen to start this year. I, I think this is hopefully for them that launching point where he kind of takes that next step into being the you know actual cleanup, like legit number four hitter, and not a guy who's making guest appearances up there and hitting you know five or six. Comeback Willie and uh, and Giolito making the move in the right direction. We're all about silver linings here at the Moose and Runes podcast, Matt, so I appreciate you for uh, taking us out of Crosstown on a positive note there. And uh, that Ricky's the next... boys don't quit, Joe. Ricky, Ricky's boys don't that Ricky's quit. Put it on, don't quit. Print the T-shirts. Print the T-shirts, Matt. I'm Ricky's boys don't quit. That. Right. Uh, well, we got to move on here. Let's talk a little NBA playoffs. It's uh, in the forefront, and uh, it was a... Fantastic game one in the Western Conference Finals last night. Houston comes out throwing haymakers. Golden State weathers the storm, takes control. Kevin Durant seemingly unstoppable. Uh, This is the matchup that basketball fans have waited nine months for and hyped up. And if game one is an indication, this might only go four, maybe five. I saw a fantastic statistic the other day, yesterday, that uh, the Warriors are... I believe twenty four and three since Kevin Durant has joined or yeah, twenty four yeah. and three since Kevin playoffs. Durant has joined their team in the playoffs and they've never let a series get past the fifth game. They've never even gone six. And Houston's not only Houston's response to the way that Golden State played yesterday, but Houston's response post game told me that this one isn't going any further than five either. They look defeated beyond game one in the fact that they gave them everything they could have. They played their best iso ball. Harden went for 41. Chris Paul controlled the flow of the game, and they lost by 13 points. Like, what, yeah. what, do, you, what do you do with that when, you, when mean, you're Houston? I, I'm, I'm with you there because I, I was kind of thinking the same thing, looking at the box score. They didn't get to watch the whole game, unfortunately. I, I did watch bits and pieces and kind of got the gist of it by, you know, reading about it afterwards. It, it, it seems like Harden had his game. Like, he had he had everything working for him, was shooting well. Like you said, dropped 40. Steph Curry, I think, was what didn't shoot very well. I think he had only only 18 points. But, you know, for mm-hmm. him, he, he wasn't shooting well. He didn't have his best stuff. And, and the Warriors still won fairly easily. It was, it was close. They weathered the storm, and then they pulled away like they seemingly always do. And I, I, I think... You're absolutely right. I think the Warriors, the Rockets gave them their best shot last night, and they still lost by 13 points. They still might find a way to lose one because the Warriors tend to have that, you know, one game a series where a lot of the times they kind of go into a lull, don't shoot very well, and, you know, the other team takes advantage. But 
But I don't see this game going much longer than five. I mean, maybe, maybe six games, but I don't think it goes more than five. Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards the. I'm leaning towards a sweep. Obviously, things happen in professional sports and NBA basketball where you know you might slip up in a game here, but Golden State decidedly the better team through one game here. Mike D'Antoni after the game says they're not worried about Kevin Durant. I saw that. That's he, he's not our Get biggest concern here. or something like that. Well, your I biggest guess. concern better be what bathing suits you're bringing on vacation because this is going to be a quick series and it's going to be vacation time. Uh, oh, the season's going to be over for you. He, Kevin Durant got any shot he wanted last night. Obviously, he is, if not the toughest matchup in the NBA, one of the toughest matchups in the NBA just with that seven-foot height, the ability to shoot it, the ability to create his shot off the dribble at that size. Nene couldn't guard him. Ariza couldn't guard him. Harden can't guard air. There's just no one to guard him on the Rockets. So he better be your concern. You better figure out a way to double him or drop into a box and one, if I may go back to my eighth-grade basketball days. Whatever you're going to do, you need to figure out how to stop Kevin Durant because if you don't, it's going to be four four games and, and out. Yeah, I mean, I, I know saying what you're going to say to the media isn't always the most important thing, but at the same time, like I, I get what he was saying because, like, I read that full quote and he kind of said, you know, more worried about turnovers, more worried about, you know, guarding, stuff like that. I, but you can't go out there and say, like, yeah, we're not worried about it. He just dropped 37 in your face on your best player. I mean, he went, went 14 to 28 from the field. He was yeah. just absolutely he – was, he was unstoppable, like you said. He, no one they put on him can guard him. No adjustments they made could – could stop KD, and he absolutely dominated that game. He was the reason they won it. And you're going to come out and say, no, we're not worried about him. Yeah, it, it could be just gamesmanship, and D'Antoni just spewed an answer. So you, I don't know if he's put too much into it. But at the same time, Durant is exactly what you need to stop in order to have a chance in this series. So if they do focus on Durant next game, don't be surprised if Steph goes for 35. Because, like you said, Steph had the slower night, kind of deferred to Clay and KD, because it looked like they were trying to shut down Steph. They were focusing on Steph, and that's fine. But that's that's the Warriors. They can beat you 10 different ways. That's why they're so dangerous. I mean, so we talk about the Warriors' third-best option right now. Their number three option holds the NBA record for most points in a single quarter. Yeah. Like that's it's, uh, it, it's on. I think he. I, I saw a quote from him. It was either this morning or last night. But uh, somebody asked him, you know, about being kind of the third wheel. You know, not being, you know, the the you know, the go to guy, the whatever you want to call it. And he basically like, I get paid really well. I live in the Bay Area, and we win a bunch of basketball games. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. cool with. with well, I'm pretty cool with and that. Like seeing how Clay Thompson is on the floor, seeing how he interacts in the media, that doesn't really surprise me at all. And from, I was the guy who thought that he might leave and try and take, you know, mm-hmm. take full advantage of get, get a super max deal somewhere yeah. and you'll be a star and a, a big fish in a small pond, whatever. I'm kind of starting to lean the other way and thinking he's going to take whatever money he needs to to keep whatever they have going in Golden State. I going. mean, they're, they're approaching, they are already a dynasty and they're approaching mm-hmm. rare air of being arguably one of the top two three, if you're being generous, dynasties in the history of the game. At the end of the decade, in the next three, four years, they could be inarguably the greatest team to ever step on the court, and Clay's going to want to be a part of that. And is he going to have to take a pay cut? Yes, but China Clay, as we've seen, can go overseas and come back with bags of money. So there's going to be ways to make his money. He's huge overseas. So 
each off season you go do two weeks, you come back with Scrooge McDuck bags of money, and uh, we call it good. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, I've been around just for the last four months, I've been around the Warriors a little bit, but uh, Clay doesn't strike me as the guy who needs to be in the spotlight. He doesn't need to have the super max. He doesn't need to be someone's one or one A. He wants to go out there and do his job, and I think he's extremely happy in Golden State doing his job around the perimeter. That's that's really all he needs to do. There was a couple of plays last night where they didn't pick him up until he got across half court, and he just kind of trailed behind a play and knocked down an easy three from three steps behind the arc. It, it, it's simple when you have three, have four that. other guys on the court spreading the court for you. If you if you're Clay Thompson and you go hypothetically speaking, to the Chicago Bulls where you're the one, two, and three, like where you are the main oh, option okay, and nobody up. else. Okay, not even the Bulls, but let's say you Blake. go to the Orlando Magic. You go to the Orla- and, and you're in Orlando and they're looking at you every night to drop 35, but the, you're not getting the spacing on the court that you had before because they can hone in on you. They can focus on the ball. They can focus on you. No one's really gaining any at- attention away from the ball. Things get a lot harder, and Clay's a smart guy. He he understands that too. So I think that uh, I think that Clay's happy where he's at, and I think that he's going to continue to pour it in until they find a way to stop him. They find a way to stop KD. They find a way to stop Steph. Ingridala got his last night. Draymond's punching people in the faces. Everything was working in Game One for the Warriors. Who did he punch in the face last night? It was like third possession of the game. He elbowed Harden right in the chin, like not in the play. It was after the play. Harden scored on a scoop layup. Uh, Draymond takes the rebound like out of the net almost as it's coming down. Nothing wrong there, but is going to step to like inbound the ball and Harden just was in the way. It wasn't intentional. Harden was trying to get back up court and Draymond made a big stink about it, bumps him in the chest and then throws an elbow to his neck, got tech. Like, I think it was like a minute and a half into the game, but that's exactly what they want from Draymond Green. Obviously keep your head cool. Don't get booted. Don't give the league an excuse to give, Houston a chance in this series like they did with uh, with Cleveland a few years back. So mm-hmm. he's got to kind of keep it in check, but that's his role. He, he was playing his role. He's not expected to score 30 a night. Uh, obviously, on an off night here or there, he will. But uh, Draymond's there to, to stir the pot, and he stirred it last night. So Warriors getting everything they wanted. Uh, it could be a quick one in the Western Conference Finals, a matchup that we that we anticipated for a long, long time. On the other side of things, game two tonight between Cleveland and Boston. Cleveland in a big game two matchup here needs to steal one from Boston on the road because they looked completely outmatched just as much as uh, as much as Houston did in game one. These are this is a Boston Celtics team that's leaning on their young guns, and obviously the floor can fall out some money at any time when you're relying on rookies and young mm-hmm. players. Uh, but they, they seem to be unflappable, unfazed in this moment. And uh, if LeBron James is only scoring 10 points from the field, I think you're in good shape to win any game you want against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I just I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, yeah. it, it, we've seen this movie before, and it's not to say Boston can't or won't win this series, but like yeah. we've seen LeBron have a bad game one. We've seen him lay an egg in game one. We've seen his teams lay eggs in game one, get blown out. And then come LeBron's back. LeBron's lost game one seven times in his playoff career and has won all seven of those series. There you so go. I'm, I'm, in, this, I'm in the same like, boat uh, as you where let's let's pump the brakes until we get to game three at least here. Hey, Boston looks great, looked great, and Boston is absolutely rolling. There's no doubt about it. They have, you know, five guys on the floor. When they, when they start, they're, they're starting five. They have five guys on the floor who can beat you. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But at the same time, LeBron James is still the best player in the world. LeBron James is still... 
way better than anybody on that Boston roster and still capable mm-hmm. of not only taking over a game but making everybody else in his starting five better. Uh, and I think Cleveland, not even just Cleveland, LeBron's teams have tendencies to when he's not having the best of nights, they kind of take a little bit of a night off, realize this one's going to get away from them. And I think that just affects their play as well. I think LeBron has that big of an effect on his teammates. And I, I, I'm i still not picking against LeBron in this series. I'm not picking the Cavs. Yeah. I'm picking LeBron James. What he has around him is, we've said it a hundred times, it's, it's the worst core, worst group he's had around him probably since, uh, the first finals he, he went to when he carried Eric Snow as a starting point guard to the finals against the Spurs, but he's still doing things that we haven't seen basically ever, and I, I'm, I'm not going to doubt him until you know he's lost four in this series. I'm still going were to you, think he's going to win. Were you as sickened as I was by the outcry of praise for LeBron for just remembering what happened yeah. at the beginning of the fourth quarter. That was ridiculous. What was that? It was like a guy actually thing. clapped in the in the press room. He should have his credentials revoked because this isn't vaudeville. Like, what are we doing here? This isn't, like, it made zero sense to me. Yeah, a professional player remembered a six-play, seven-play sequence. That's not that impressive. Jack Nicholas could tell you every single stroke he took in any one of his 18 major championship wins. Like, that's impressive to me. You're asking a guy to remember a basketball sequence from an hour prior. That's not that impressive. It's just, it's just something that LeBron James did, and the, you know, it was unique and something you haven't seen before. The fact so that the he media wanted like it. You know. Arthur, too, kind of. Oh, my God. Like he, looks like, he looks like a nerd. He looks like, well, he looked like a. No, no, no. I think that was a one game thing. Okay. No, oh, that, that was brings more than up one game. Def- was that it was really? One game. Yeah, oh, yeah. That they brings did that up the entire uh, Pacers series, like most of the Pacers series. That brings up a good point, though. I think what these guys are wearing to go fashion here for a second oh, I like is that. really important. You know, Cleveland. Cleveland doing the matching suits, your head's in the wrong place. You know, we're getting fitted for suits, and we're wearing the same suits, and we're trying to make a scene plus here. Your I head's know. in the wrong place. You get a new yes, suit. Yes, you get a new suit. Plus Everyone I, loves a um, new suit. Well, oh, there was a funny thing, though, when they did that. Isaiah Thomas was like, where's my suit? I got fitted for this earlier in the season. I guess I got fitted, like, mid-season when Isaiah was still on the team. That's so awesome. he was asking where his suit was because, obviously. Who do you think Isaiah team. is rooting for in this series, by the way? Uh an asteroid, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> go on, yeah. go on. Um, no, 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 my point was that, you know, last night, Chris Paul comes in in some crazy, like, head-to-toe gradient tie-dye. Uh, a couple guys, I think Ariza had, like, a Michael Jackson jacket on. Kevin Durant is coming to the gym for business. He was in a Nike Tech sweatsuit, the same thing he wears on the bench, except with his KD logo on it. Like, that was, he's, he's coming to hoop. He's not worried about what he's wearing before the game. And as much as you want to say about Harden's ability to score the basketball, or the unstoppable and consistency of LeBron James, Kevin Durant is the purest scorer in these playoffs. I don't care what anyone says. What he did last night, what he's done for these last few games, he has 18 straight games where he's gone for 20 points or more in the playoffs. He's so consistently good at getting his shot and, and executing in – in crunch time, the fact that he's not making a big stink or, or the media is not making a big deal about him remembering sequences post-game or he's not um, uh, exalting himself post-game kind of keeps him on the quieter side. And I think we undervalue what he's doing, what he's been doing. He's just here for business. He's wearing a sweatsuit. I'm here to win another championship. You know, we'll, we'll dress up and we'll party after we get the job done. He's just Nike tech all the way, and I, I respect it. 
Yeah, I mean, as, as, as much as Steph is, you know, the face of that franchise, and he probably should be because he was kind of the one that got them to the level that they are, or at least where, you know, when they got that first title and you know, he was drafted by him and he's really taken off and developed as, you know, one of the top point guards ever play. KD is mm-hmm. the best player on that team. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not certain it's all that close, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, do on floor, I, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily like this big, you know, shocker of a take. I think a lot of people think that too, and I, I kind of wanted to say it. But he's, I mean, I think he's the best player on that team. And I, Steph is a great player. Steph's one of the best point guards to ever play. Clay Thompson, Mike O'Donnell, is one of the best pure shooters to ever play the game. With, with what KD does on both ends of the floor, with how long he is, with you know that wingspan at seven feet, and he's you know stepping back and hitting shots from from three. What he can do with, on both yeah. ends, he is he is the best player on the floor, and he's you know the second best player in the world behind LeBron, and he's probably the only one with a, a chance to you know challenge that stake. I, I was going to say, with all due respect to LeBron, you wouldn't get much, you wouldn't get much rise out of me saying Katie's the best player in the world, and obviously it is LeBron James right now. But one and one A to me, like I, I don't uh-huh. I don't see too much of a disparity in the talents there. So. It's been fun to watch. It will be continued. We will continue to have fun watching it. Uh, game two coming tonight, Cleveland, Boston. Game three, or pardon me, game two in game the West tonight. is on Wednesday. Then uh, a big layoff until uh, Sunday. What's the big layoff, come, by the way? Until they come back here. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's Why just is- to get it on prime time on Sunday. And uh, we will be in attendance uh, at uh, at game three, Rockets. Um, Rockets Golden State. So maybe we'll uh, we'll tape a little something pregame, postgame there from Oracle Arena. But uh, We'll have uh, we'll have we'll have a pre- a present. I don't even have a ticket. I have a present. Can you get me a credential? Um, if you, you want to be my photographer, we'll have to tell my shooter Evan that uh, he's got the day off. So I'm great with a camera. <laughs> um, but yeah, we might have a little Moose and Runes exclusive coming at you from Oracle Game Three on Sunday. Uh, Matt, let's uh, let's let's move it forward here into your wheelhouse uh, per usual. NHL playoffs rounding into form. Very exciting. A big Crucial game two last night for for the Golden Knights to continue their Cinderella run against the Winnipeg Jets. They tie things up at one one. Not sure how much of that game you saw. I saw it in spurts. Uh, what did you see from Vegas? Are you convinced that this is a team that can go the distance? I'm convinced that this is a team that that can give Winnipeg a run, and they're capable mm-hmm. of beating Winnipeg. I still think Winnipeg's the better team, but if Mark Andre Fleury, you know, has these games kind of like he did last night, like he's had before. Hot goaltenders are you know, can, can beat anybody come playoff time. We here as, as Blackhawks fans have, have seen that. But yeah. There have been times where the Hawks have been outmatched in certain series, and you know Corey Crawford has carried him past. Um, Shout out to Cristobal Huey. Oh, I missed that guy. <laughs> Cristobal Huey. Who's your okay? Completely off topic here. Your favorite Hawks goalie in the last decade, not named Corey Crawford. Decade. So it was 2008. Oh, Nikolai Hobby Bullen and Bullen. Yeah, Nikolai Hobbyblin was is one of my favorite Blackhawks of all time. I, I, I had a guy. huge love affair with Antti Niemi. It, it's hard not. To, I, I like Antti yeah. Niemi because, like, obviously, he with what he's done after the Hawks, he's kind of reached his max potential when they won that yeah. cup. But what I liked about Niemi was, I guess, he did exactly what the Hawks needed him to in just about every game throughout that playoff run. He wasn't an elite goalie, and it showed like mm-hmm. how nice the Hawks had their offense going. He never had his best stuff. Oh, when, that cookie, when, when that the guy, he let in game one against, uh, was it Philly? In the, what, the, it was like from the half boards at the blue line. He let like oh, a skipper uh, Nashville, in, and we were like, oh, we're in trouble. That was game one, one in the Nashville, Nashville yep. series, yeah. Oh, I remember that, that. that game, remember, but, 
he usually is, is, is the game's got more important and the guy across from him yeah. was playing better, he elevated mm-hmm. his game. Uh, and then that's what I always liked about him. But yeah, for me, Nikolai Javi Bullen, it's not even, I remember, I still remember where I was when they signed him to that big thing. It was a four year, like $28 million deal. This is a massive free agent deal to get him over to Chicago. I remember, I think it was his first year they played Detroit on fan appreciation night. And that was obviously when Detroit was like, it was the last game of the year that yeah. Detroit was Detroit and the Hawks were terrible. And he had like 60 some saves and the Hawks won three to two in a shootout. And after that, I pretty much just fell in love with Nikolai Javi Bullen. The, the, and it was, it was everything after that was history for you and Javi Bullen. Still no better story. line, no better line than uh, in NHL, I don't know if it was 2010, whatever. No, it couldn't have been. Whatever a year it was, crystal ball looks into his crystal ball and says no or something like that. For UA, so UA, UA a close second for me. Uh, but what were we talking about? Play NHL this. playoffs. We're talking about NHL, NHL playoffs. playoffs. Uh, you opened my eyes. You opened my eyes in the last couple of weeks to uh, the play of Patrick Line and, and just how special he's special. how special of a talent he is out there. He's a guy he's where young, he's young. And admittedly, I, I haven't watched as much hockey this year as I have in past years. But he's a guy where you don't have to watch. 82 games to know that that is the talent on the ice. He, he's, he's visibly fast. He's just, he, he has Bigger every tool you, that you want in a, you, in a superstar. Exactly. He's got a quick, he's, he's, he's a lightning quick release. And he doesn't need much you, space to get that shot off. You could, you could turn the TV on, show someone who's never watched the game of hockey and say, who's the best player on the ice? And they'd pick that guy nine times out of ten. Yeah. And, and on, the only reason, I mean, he didn't get as much, you know, you know, Pomp coming out of the draft. He was the number two pick in the draft the same year Austin Matthews was drafted by Toronto. Yeah. And obviously Austin Matthews, you know, American-born center, he's had a very good career, you know, career so far, too, and he's been but that's going to steal the headlines, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to you know, that's gonna be the major headline here. But, like, Patrick Line has been better than Austin Matthews has been. He's the, he is, like I've said, I've said on this podcast a bunch, he's the next Alexander Ovechkin. He had 40-some goals this year, and you can tell, I mean, this is a prime opportunity to showcase him in the playoffs. He's been fantastic. Vegas, too. Vegas has been – they keep surprising me. I kind of thought Winnipeg was going to come out and whitewash him. Vegas, again, I think this is – they have never – they haven't lost this playoff. They haven't lost two games in a row in the playoffs yet. Yeah. Uh, they, they've only lost four in the playoffs, so I guess that makes sense. But they have not – they have yet to lose two in a row in the playoffs, which I think for a young team full of a bunch of guys who haven't really been there much before, who haven't really played in these big-time roles um, – I think that's incredibly impressive. And, and Jonathan Marchesto, he's a top six winger for him. One of the, I think he had two goals last night. Uh, if not one, he, he said something in the paper, or in the, not the paper, who reads the paper anymore, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> he, he said, said something, something in the periodicals. Yeah, you know, he, he just kind of said, you know, they, they, he said, what was so special about, you know, someone asked him, what's so special about this group or kind of what gets you guys going? He basically said, we're just a bunch of hockey players, you know, looking for a home. And as corny as that sounds, like that's kind of what we talked about. This is a bunch of players playing with a chip on their shoulder who were kind of rejected from where they were, and they, they've all kind of landed in this island of misfit hockey players, and they're putting it together. And they're, they're fun to watch. I still think Winnipeg's going to win the series. They're big, fast, and I, I don't think Vegas's competition in the in the first two rounds was nearly as good as what they're seeing now. But this should be a fun series that has every capability going the distance because of who Vegas has in net. Yeah. If, uh, and I saw it in that San Jose series. The Knights, like you said, when uh, when Flurry's on, there's not much you can do, and nope. uh, he turned it on. He turned it on last night. On the other side of things, you got Washington with a 2-0 lead over uh, Tampa Bay. Yep. And Tell me surprise. 
It's uh, exactly, and I, I still two zero lead. I, I don't know if I buy it just because Washington is Washington. But uh, what uh, what are you expecting out of the tail end of that series, man? Yeah, I I don't know because like I mm-hmm. thought I I thought we kind of had this. I thought Washington was going to come out a little bit let down, but they they they're scoring early. Uh, I think both of these games they have goals in you know, the first couple minutes. Uh, you know they pulled away against Tampa. Uh, was it Saturday night as well? Ovechkin's playing and producing probably as well as he has in any playoffs he's been in, and they're doing this with all all without their top center. Nicholas Backstrom has been out I think since Game Six of the Penguins series. We so haven't played the last three. And Washington's playing their best hockey, so they're clicking. They're they're going to get better. Um, I'm still not going to count Tampa out. Uh, I, I think they are a they're a fantastic team. Uh, they they've been here before as well. They're a group that's largely the same group that went to the the Stanley Cup Finals against the Hawks a few years ago. Um, I, I still think they're very talented and have a chance here. But I, I think we'll learn a lot about Washington and who they if this is if they're the real deal or if they're the same old Caps the, the way they come out in Game Three. Um, yeah. If they come out and look the part and are efficient in Game 3, I think there's no reason why they can't win the Stanley Cup. But if they come out and kind of lay that egg and Tampa takes this one, you know, wins 2, 3, 4 to 1, something like that, I think they're kind of back in the driver's seat as being the favorite in that series. But Game 3, obviously, it's a huge game for both teams. It's not really a hot take saying it, but it's a massive game. It absolutely is, and I think that's, I guess, the allure of the NHL playoffs right now is that any one of these four teams would not surprise me. Uh, they found themselves at the mountaintop uh, about three weeks, four weeks from now. So should be exciting to watch down the stretch. And uh, speaking of exciting watches, last weekend at the Players was fantastic. Maybe not the drama you look for on a Sunday, but that West was Simpson. a bummer. I was hoping that would kind but of it wasn't, a little bit early. It wasn't a – yeah, we were rooting for a little bit of a web uh, to come back to the field on Saturday or Sunday, and he just stayed out in front, kept his pace, got out there on Thursday, set the pace, never really looked back. But there were a lot of guys charging. It wasn't your it wasn't your boring one-man race like you usually get when a guy's out in front like that. Uh, Tiger was in the mix. That always makes it interesting. You got uh, Spieth not too far off in the mix. Uh, you had guys like Jimmy Walker, Jason Day, Duffner, big Duffner names in the mix, there. which Duffner was up there. When when I was looking at the leaderboard on Friday after round two, I was a little bit worried about, you know, the Players' Championship, the marquee is the star power, and the star power wasn't there after uh, after two rounds. Luckily, those guys made Saturday pushes. I believe it was Tiger and Jordan both with the rounds of the day on mm-hmm. Saturday, 65s. Tiger's lowest round in uh, in quite some time, so he looks to be clear and free playing good golf again. You just need to get him to do it on a Thursday, get out there in the lead, near the lead, because Tiger's never been one to win from behind. He's never been a chaser. He's always Brent. He's always been. He's always done what Webb Simpson. Yeah, he's always done what Webb Simpson did this past weekend. Um, didn't know Webb Simpson still had that in his system to go to reach 20 under. I think he, he finished 19 under, I think was the number. But he, right. he had, yeah, he hit 20 at a certain point, which anytime you're hitting 20 under, I don't care if it's the Players' Championship or you're at Ding Maloney or whatever you are. That's impressive. What is, what is, what is Ding, Malone, Ding Maloney? Ding Maloney or like what's... What's what are the, what's like the local course in the like municipals in Chicago? Uh, Chick Evans is what I'm thinking of. Big oh, Maloney are the ones yeah. out here. Okay. Uh, yeah, Chick Evans. Gotcha. That, gotcha. that was the that was the point I was getting at, man. But uh, no, I, I it was a fun wondering. it was a fun weekend for golf fans uh, to see Tiger out there prowling again. I just we're just waiting for him to 
put it all together and uh, tell you, I've been saying moment. it. I've been saying Matt, it since day one. The British, the British is making more and more sense. Those stingers, those stingers, those he's stingers off are 18. unbelievably cool. We're gonna see. We're gonna see thirty-six of them. We're gonna see sixty, seventy-two of those. We're gonna see amazing ball flights. It's gonna be. It's going to be fun to watch whether or not he can navigate the greens and, and those sorts of things, stay out of harm's way in the British that Carnoustie this year, I believe. But, I believe uh, Carnoustie, yes. It's, he's obviously got what he needs off the tee. I mean, he's hitting a driving iron close to 300 yards. He's, he's long again, and uh, I think that uh, your, your prediction hopefully will come to fruition here. Maybe, maybe we get him in contention at the, at the, Brit- or at the U.S. The Open US. prior to, but... Uh, Always better when Tiger's around. So two things. You brought up the British, and I remember rules. You said that whenever I play a nice golf course, I have to invite you. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and you did. In, and you did. In, Jul- in July. To my, my, my trip in July? Um, no, when did you texted me and let me know that you were playing? What were you playing? Um, Whistling Straits, right? Oh, yeah, that, that's different. Um, uh, this different, is different thing. Different trip. <laughs> Um, in July, when, when we go out to visit uh, now Gross Giants starting quarterback Rob Gallick, uh-huh. which is something we'll get to in the coming weeks. That's a promise for me. It's a teaser. Um, That's a promise for you and a hospital trip for him waiting to happen. So we'll uh, yeah, get to probably, it. Probably, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge. I'm knocking on wood uh, too, Rob, because I know you listen. We're praying for you. Uh, Matt Steger and I on our way out to visit Rob. We're, we're, we're having a little pit stop in Dublin. And we Beautiful. were heading up to, to Northern Ireland to Royal Portrush, where they're hosting the 2019 oh, British Open. Man, that'll be awesome. So, hey, and you want to come out there? I believe it's pronounced, I believe it's pronounced Narn Iron, okay? Yeah. So you're going to want to get that right before you get yeah, out there. I'm, I'm going to stick Narn like a sore thumb either way there. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But that should be gorgeous. you're more than welcome um, to come out, Joe. Also, well, thank you for that invite. Also, yeah. when you're in Dublin, you've got to stop at Temple Bar. Uh, drop my name. You'll probably be kicked out. Swiftly, promptly, but it's where you need to go. It is uh, one of the oldest bars in the world, and uh, it, uh, it's a great time. So, Temple Bar. That's yeah, actually I definitely the whole, don't know Joe Musso. The whole, down, <laughs> the whole downtown kind of bar area, if I'm not mistaken, is, is referred to as the Temple Bar area, but there's an actual bar. Temple Bar. Temple, Temple Bar. So, put that on the list. Uh, Other players' championship golf concern. Yes. What, yes. what is Phil Mickelson doing with the dress shirts? Getting paid. I, I know he's long getting and paid, short of it. Come on, like, this is like Jerry Seinfeld with the puffy shirt. Like, come on. Yeah, no, uh, Phil. No. I think we got to keep an eye. We got to keep. Take off. No, no, no. I'm not in support of it. It's bad, but I think we got to keep an eye on Phil. He's he's kind of getting into that like eyes wide shut level of his career, where like he's going to like weird mask parties and. Phil's always been a, Phil's always been uh, on the fringe of reality. I think in in the way he does things, he's he's the most. He might not have the highest career earnings on tour. I mean, he's up there, but uh, Phil's always done things his own way and been a little bit out of the box. This shirt, another example of it. We can't let Phil get disillusioned, okay? He's getting close. I think there's a little bit of like, you know, when when someone gets so wealthy, so prominent that they just lose complete grasp on reality. We got to yeah. keep an eye on Phil. Is all I'm saying. He's playing golf in Jacksonville, Florida, in May <laughs> in a long <laughs> in a button down. In a button and down. I love hey. Phil Mickelson. He is. He might be after him and Tiger, my two favorite golfers of all time. And you know, lefty's always going to hold a special place in my heart because I'm a lefty too. But it's getting hard to defend you, Phil. Look so at look at the social media. Look at the social media footprint. Look at all the 
the headlines around it, it, it did what it did its purpose. It did what but it was. Nobody's supposed gonna to do. buy those things. I don't know like, how you play golf in a button. They're down. getting I, headlines I because they look ridiculous, not because people are gonna go out and buy it. Like you're not you're, this isn't going to take over. Like you, you play golf in California all summer. I play golf around here where it's ninety five and humid in the summer. I'm not gonna go out to Lost Dunes on a Saturday in July and see people wearing button down golf shirts because Phil Mickelson wore them. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm uh, very angry it's, about this. It's, there's it's, no... Yeah, I don't think it's a trend. I don't think it's a trend. It's just offensive to me. All. It's offensive. You're offended by his long Let's move on. Um, yeah, that Matt, should have been I, my grievance. Damn it. Well, I was going to say, if you want to go right into it right now, you're offended. Um, yep. you I'm going to gonna retroactively... I'm gonna retroacti- can I retroactively hit the grievance button yeah, on that Yeah, hit, hit the music. There's your retro... Do the post grievance. Retroactive grievance. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I, I, oh, I don't even remember what my grievance was at this point, and I don't think it really matters um, because this is clearly, I, I feel like the best thing, the best grievances come naturally, Joe. They, they're not mm-hmm. the ones that come forth. They're not ones that you kind of try your your way to, your way into. This this really bothered me from a Phil fan. I, it's just, well, it hurt. Matt, I'm, I'm glad you got that out of your system. Uh, oh, I think my other one was about the royal wedding, which I think is stupid. I don't know why people <laughs> care about it. Just also, two people getting married. Oh, I'm also on page with you there. Um, I understand the pompous you wake circumstance up, you're around it. But six uh, o'clock on a Saturday morning to watch yeah. two people get married. Who cares? No, no, that's not happening. Um, I hope they have but, a very long, happy marriage, and I yeah. don't care about it. What, what, what will her title? Will she be a Will she be a duchess as well or a princess? What is? I don't you know, know that. Oh, what, I, what's yeah, the I difference? I don't know. You brought it up, Matt. So I thought maybe you had a little little yeah, uh, you're the, you're little backroom little backroom royal wedding knowledge. You're the pop culture guy. I am, but uh, you know, Matt. There are there are other things, other fish to fry. So why don't we why don't we jump off yeah, the little wedding here? Fire stuff. Uh, sending our sending our best wishes. The, the cards in the mail, Harry and and uh, what's her name? Uh, Megan uh, Markle. Thanks. Megan yeah. Markle. Yeah. Twenty dollars. Shout out to shout out to Americans. Shout out to just repping repping the red, white, and blue, and we'll we'll, we'll leave it right at that. Yeah. She's American, right? Probably. She's not like Canadian. I don't know. She's an actress. Know. They're all Canadian. Who knows? According but, to uh, she's American. That's really all the but. God bless him. God bless him. Uh, God save the queen. Matt, let's move on here. Uh, obviously, the biggest headline yesterday, sports gambling uh, becoming not being legalized, but the ban on sports gambling being dropped. It sounds like they're going to leave it up to the states to decide. And uh, I saw a figure estimated 32 states will move to legalize sports gambling. Uh, what was your what was your initial thought here? Obviously, it's been happening. It's going to continue yeah. to happen. Now they're just going to juicy on the front end. The states are going to get their cut. The leagues are going to get their cut. Your winnings aren't going to be as big. Is this going to change the way that uh, you know you you take action on games? You know, I, I'm not totally sure at the moment it's going to. Um, that said, you know, five years down the line here, once it's pretty much, I think it'll be legal in every state. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think you'll start having, you know, these, these kiosks and stadiums and stuff like that. Then maybe it will um, because, you know, it's it's different if I want to go put, you know, $20 into the window at a game and, and actually be able to go back and collect that 25 you know, I win if, if it's yeah. over rather than having, you know, basically an account where I have to wait on a check, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But uh, if, if I were to be 
in that sort of thing, which I'm totally not. It's just it's hypothetically told that's what you do. Um, but it's, it's a billion, it's, it's about it's a billion dollar business. It's about time, and, and like, quite honestly, like in a state like Illinois, where we're in so much debt, like why this hasn't? Well, now I guess because it's been federally cleared, why they wouldn't take advantage of this right away? Yeah, and just yeah. start skimming off the top. Like they're going to make so much money from just that, from just letting people gamble on sports, mm-hmm. and take a small commission off each bet that you know that you tax each bet a really minor amount. You're going to make so much money. And plus, oh, it'll absolutely. get more people into. The, I think it'll get more people into games too, because I, I think it'll keep people at games longer. And I, you know, I, I think you'll you'll get a lot more involvement of people at you know White Sox games, Cubs games, stuff like that. I think people won't be afraid to go. You know, let's make this White Sox, you know, Mariners game in the middle of you know August a little bit more interesting. I'm going to mm-hmm. go guess that Jose Abreu hits the first home run of the day, or I'm going to go say that the White Sox win by a that's, run and a half, something like that. That's the only way it would really entice me is if there were actual windows at actual stadiums. And now I know I'm the majority of my viewing at stadiums is going to be while I'm working, and yeah. you can't well, you can't Chicago. dip your toe into those pools. But yeah, coming do. back to Chicago at a Cubs game, we go to a Cubs game. It's the middle of the summer. It's Cubs Orioles, it's just a game, and you know we want to we want to sweeten the deal a little bit. I'm already paying thirteen dollars for a beer. Let me put twenty dollars down on the Cubbies here to cover a, a one and a half point spread or something like that. That's where it would be enticing to me. I still think that majority of the betting that's happening, even if this gets legalized in certain states, will be underground, will be back room, will continue to be in the current format that it is. Because there's no reason for people to change the way they do things. My idea is you treat it the way, like the legality of it, you treat it the way that some states are treating marijuana laws. You decriminalize it. So where these, um, let's not call them bookies, these, uh, these mom and pop proprietors, these, these solo proprietors of betting, um, if caught doing what they're doing, it's a slap on the hand, it's a fine, you do whatever yeah. you want with it. I think that that might be a more feasible option for things to continue the way they are continuing, but that doesn't allow the states to then get their cut. So that's obviously not going to be what happens. But mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, I, I think more was made of it yesterday than, than needed. It's obviously a big day in sports, and, and there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of implications beyond just uh, the betting of it. Uh, you know, can a, can a, a college athlete be swayed to to maybe lay down late in the game? Can no. a player can a player get leaned on? Can a or for example, uh let's say let's say that um next year Steve Kerr comes out and says, Yeah, we're sitting Kevin, we're sitting Clay and we're sitting Steph tonight. You know, we don't need him tonight. It's we're playing the magic. That moves the line to minus six. They come out in the starting lineup is Steph, Clay, whatever. So they can there can be manipulation, you know. So then then Vegas has got to scramble to get that line back to twelve and a half. But they already have a massive bucket of bets in on that uh-huh. six number because Steve Kerr came out pregame and said these guys were sitting. So a lot of manipulation can happen, whether it be gamesmanship for the other team. That will then affect your line. That will then affect the gambling side of it. Even if the even if it's out of sight, out of mind for a coach for Steve Kerr in that hypothetical situation, things get a little murky. Yeah, that's well said. But at the same, it's still stuff that they kind of have to, you know, offshore accounts or bookies is, is what do you ever want to call them still have to deal with now. And it's 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 not something that like I, I'm kind of with you on the fact though too that 
the people who have been doing it, you know, who have been gambling on sports for the last few years, I don't think that's going to change very much. And I think that was a little bit of a running joke kind of throughout, you know, sports media and, you know, talk shows and all that stuff yesterday. It's like, oh, man, this is going to change everything. It's, it's not really, it's not going to change everything for the people who have been doing it. It's just going to change things for, like you said, the, the people who go to games and want to casually bet who have never really been involved in it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be able to just go up, get a brat, onions, and lay down a saw buck on, on whoever's playing. Whether you have a, an actual person in a window or you have, like, you know, kiosks, like you get, like, you know, checking in at an airport, except, you know, those are yeah. for gambling. I think that might be what you see. I think you'll see a bunch of those throughout a stadium. Or, or like, remember, and they still do it, but there's those ticket houses right on, I believe, uh, it's not on Clark, is it on... I don't know, but there's where where all the scalpers hang right by yeah. Wrigley. There, I think it's on Sheffield, right by Spoco, right there on Sports Corner. Um, there's all of those. That's where like we used to go pick up tickets when we were going to a game. Like me and my dad, it wouldn't be surprising if you know they all open up a window and and you can get your action outside of the stadium, even if the stadiums don't want to touch it, if the actual organizations teams don't want to touch it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Should be interesting to see how it shakes down, Matt. Um, but uh, we already hit your grievance here. We, we, did. we got a retroactive, yeah. got a retroactive grievance. So a natural uh, grievance, <laughs> a natural grievance that just that just came out. It was. Uh, I wasn't was even nice. that angry about it when I started talking about no, it. Then I started talking were, about it and got even more, even more angry. Yeah, you Some were. Uh, you were. You were well kept, Matt. And I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. There. Appreciate it. Uh, so Let's what do we got now? Buy or sell? Should we jump in a little buy or sell? You want to start? Yeah. Or you want me to start? Um, you can you can kick us off here, Matt. All right, uh, Monday Night Football. New Monday Night Football crew. We got Joe Tessitore on play-by-play. Jason Witten uh, doing the color. We have Booger McFarland on the sidelines, and I believe Lisa mm-hmm. Salters isn't going to be on the other sideline. And then Lewis Riddick, who I'm a big fan of, was added to I believe the Monday Night uh, halftime and post-game show. Uh, so, Joe, you buying or selling the new Monday Night Football announcing team? I'm buying it just because I know, you know, we talked about this before here when we were kind of setting the rundown, and uh, it's a fun group. Monday Night Football, I think, is visibly not the premier product anymore. Sunday night is where where you make your bacon, and, and, and even with Gruden and um, – help me out here, Gruden Sean and – Sean, even with Gruden and Sean McDonough last year, obviously I tuned in to hear Gruden and, you know, hear him break down football. That was great. Sunday night was still the premier product. I don't think this knocks ESPN off their spot very much. This is, uh, this is a good group. Joe Tessitore could announce me eating a bowl of cereal and it'd be interesting. I love his voice. You know, he brings that boxing panache to everything he does and, uh, Booger, I can deal with Booger, and the, the whole team's gonna gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting to see what Witten does in the booth, but uh, I'm buying it. It's a good group. Yeah, I think Witten's kind of the X factor for me because I we it's like probably for everybody because no one's heard him announce a game except for probably the people at ESPN. I'm assuming he did a tryout for. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of thought Kurt Warner was the the layup option for that. I think he's done a great job with the NFL Network and kind of filling in on Thursday night games. I would have wouldn't have mind seeing him. But uh, I, like you said, I love Joe Testor. I think he, he's one of my favorite announcers in, in all of ESPN. Um, and I'm I'm a I'm fine with Booger. I'm not really sure why they made the move from. He's been always more of a college football guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Seems like a, a sideline analyst in an NFL game might be a little bit out of a spot for him. But he knows his football. I, I doubt that'll be much of adjustment. And I, I really like getting a guy like Lewis Riddick on on the you know halftime and post game analysis team instead of just kind of throwing random X retired NFL big name here who doesn't really 
I can't really, he's not really great as an analyst, but he's just a big name. I, I think getting an actual analyst on that crew is, uh, is big for me. I really like that move. Yeah, I think uh, it should be interesting to see how they melt. Anytime you're putting a group together, I'm sure they're doing dry runs and everything, but it, it takes some time for for a crew to get their get their footing. And uh, like we said, not necessarily the, the premier product, so they, they got a little they got a little time and space got to, uh, to get used to each other. Yeah, exactly. All right, Matt. Well, uh, let's move on here. Buy or sell? Let me find my buy or sell. Buy or sell? Sure. The Caps find a way to blow this. They're up 2-0. We've seen the Caps do pretty much everything in the playoffs to find a way to lose. Buy or sell the Caps blow this one. You know, I am I'm going to buy it, and I'm not sure I'm ready to say it's going to because the Caps blow it necessarily. Like, I don't think you're going to see an epic flameout from them. I just mm-hmm. still think Tampa's really good, um, and I, I think they're going to simplify their game on the road a little bit more. I think Washington's going to come back with all the pressure in the world. I, I know there's, you know, quote-unquote no pressure, but coming home and, you know, Having you know having that two zero lead, if you don't win this series now, it's it, it's a ton of pressure to go out and win the series because if you don't, it'll be seen as one of those great choke jobs. And it's kind of like the the other side of the coin with LeBron. Like I'll believe he's going to lose when I see it. I'll believe mm-hmm. Washington's going to win when I see it. And I think Tampa is as good of competition as there in, is as there is in the NHL. I still think they're probably the most talented team remaining of the four, even though they're down zero two. Um, I think they come out and win game three, and I still think they're going to win that series. But it, it still should be a lot of fun to watch, so I'll buy it. You're buying that they blow it. Heartless. Heartless. Um, you know, someone's got to be. <laughs> um, all right, Matt, hit me. Okay, uh, so Logan Morrison uh, of the Twins, their DH, they just played the, the Angels. I uh, faced Shohei Otani, and he said, I'm not, I don't agree with what he said. He said Otani, is, with what he can do on the mound and at the plate, is the best player in the world. Um, the best player in the world is also on the Angels, but he's not named Shohei Otani. But seriously, uh, I'll, I'll ask you a different one though. Buy or sell? When his career is over, Shohei Otani has a more impactful MLB career than Ichiro. So, so hard that to makes say. him the most impactful um, MLB player, Japanese, you know, import of yeah. all time. If Ichiro did what he did anywhere but Seattle or anywhere but the West Coast, the Northwest. You know, if he did what he did in the AL Central, NL Central, just somewhere where you get more Sunday night baseball play, mm-hmm. I think we'd have more reverence for what Ichiro has done and brought to the game. Uh, with that being said, uh, I don't think that it's fair to to compare a guy who's been in the league and had such a small sample size of success over a eight-week span to one of the greats all-time all in, in the game, to one of the guys that transformed the game not only for foreign players, for but for for everyone, for for anyone who plays the game. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. absolutely transformed baseball. I'm selling just because I, I'm not ready to put him in that uh, in that in that area yet. So, no, I, I can see that. It's still, it's still very early to uh, to judge. I think the one place that he kind of might have the leg up on Ichiro is that he mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's super early and, and like you said. It, He's still got a long way to go and do it over a long period of time. But, I mean, Ichiro didn't come over here until, what, 27, 28? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Otani's got, you know, five extra years on him. That said, Ichiro didn't come over here until he was, you know, 27, 28, and he still finished with 3,000 hits. So it'll yeah. be a, it, it's a tough hill to climb. But uh, that should be fun to watch that progress. And if, if this start to his career is any indication, he should be a, a lot of fun to watch it on the mound and at the plate. So. Yeah. Uh, so, sell in there. Matt, buy or sell, I'm going to give you 
uh, a curveball here. This is not one that uh, that I, I put out wasn't there for good you. with curveballs. Buy or sell the legalization of sports betting or the uh, re- the removal of the ban on sports betting sure. should change the way that the MLB looks at Pete Rose's chances to get in the Hall of Fame, or oh, that wow. the, that not the MLB, but the way that baseball writers and they are a curmudgeon-y bunch, but the way that well, baseball writers they won't. view they won't yeah. because of what you just said. They're a they're a curmudgeon-y bunch who you know, believes in you know, they're they're set in their ways, and I don't think anything's changing. I've always been of the camp, even before this, that Pete Rose should probably be in the Hall of Fame. I know he bet on the game, but he also, you know, bet on his team. So I think that's obviously it's still illegal, but at the same time, he clearly wasn't throwing games. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think what he did as a manager should be affecting what he did as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know you want to ban Pete Rose, the manager, from the Hall of Fame. Great, but I think you need to be able to separate the two. But that said, I, I'll. I'll sell it. I'm selling, right? Because I, I don't think the baseball writers at Major League Baseball will, will, will change their mind on it. I don't think. I kind of think that precedent's been set, and I don't believe Rob Manfred's gonna gonna change that ban anytime soon. Because right. it was still illegal at the time. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think it changes much either. Just uh, thought we'd thought we'd with the idea. Let's get Pete in there. Let's get Pete in there. Come on. He's I'm with it. Hit King. I'm with it. I'm with it. Uh, you got. Uh, you got any mailbag for us today? Matt? I do. Um, comes from our Austrian friend. Ah, uh, the Grand friend of the pod, Rob Gal. He is uh, he's still alive, not in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. He wants to know. We're, we're continuing with the summer theme here. Do I like the summer theme mailbag questions because we're gearing up for it? He wants to know what's like the best beach slash lake house slash barbecue, you know, outdoor game fun activity to play. You know, you got bags, mm. you got beach volleyball, you got you want to mm-hmm. take skin around a little bit. Uh, he even threw yeah, a oh, ball in there, which I've never played. You got the little game with the, the 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 string with the two golf balls on the end of it, where you throw it at the three bars and you try and land that. What do you what do you got for me here, Joe? A good game of catch, I don't think figures in here. Like if we're actually talking drinking game, fun outdoor game, I love a game of beach volleyball, but you can't uh, can't play that one with a beer in hand. So I'm gonna you go beer in. A, you strike me as a I'm, setter. I'm going. No, no, no. I'm getting up there. I'm getting up at the nets. I want net, I want action at the net for playing beach volleyball. You know, brick wall, but. We're playing. If we're playing a beer in hand game, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it to um, the game that I'm going to suggest here is Can Jam, and I don't know how familiar you are with Can Jam, but it's not even a, a small. Very it's a small garbage can, like with a slot in it, and you throw uh, a frisbee at it. You have a partner on the other side trying to knock it into the top of the can. But if you go in the slot, it's ball game, and the slot's like just as big as the frisbee. If you hit the, there's different scoring. If you hit the actual can, it's two points. If you knock it in, it's three points. If you, no, if you hit it, it's one. Whatever the scoring is, can jam. Look it up. It's going to be your favorite game this summer. See, yeah, I'm kind of a simpleton. I'm a traditionalist here, Joe. I love bags. Bags to me, it's yeah. a lot of can't fun. Be, can't you, be the game you, you, walk, you walk, you walk, you walk off the distance. You hang out on either side. You have a beer in your hand. You play some bags. Big mm-hmm. fan of it. Also, I found uh, I didn't find this. One of our uh, our buddies in our fantasy baseball league brought this up. Um, I think to a tailgate or something, or showed it to us. Whatever. It's this. It's beer pong, but they're on like they're on bags boards, and they mm-hmm. give you a small little uh, you know fake grass, and you chip. You're chipping, uh, you know, practice golf balls into you know, beer pong cups. 
It's very difficult, and it, it game might yeah. take forever. But it's sounds like it takes a few hours. It's way your short game, Matt, can take a little while, huh? Hey, the short games, my my my, go- my the short game isn't the problem, Joe. It's off the tee where I uh, where I have that issue. But uh, that's neither here nor there. It's a lot of fun. You get a wedge in your hand, you get a beer in your hand. It's like you know, you're only playing one game in the night, probably before you go switch terms. But it's a lot of fun. That's it. I'll go with bags. Bags, it is. Thanks, it is, Matt. Well, well, thank you. Uh, thank you to Rob Gallick for sending in that question. Quarterback of the Garage Giants. Stay healthy out there, Robert. Uh, we're, Through an uh, interception last week. We're rooting for you. No INTs. No INTs. Let's, yeah, let's limit, stick away from the INTs. Let's limit the INTs. So, um, Matt, uh, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, let me shut us down here. Do it. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Matt, I'm going to shut us down just because we haven't even said the word Chicago Bears this week. So I figured I'd, I'd get some Bears bear down. I figure I'd get some Bears in the podcast here. Um, nothing big, nothing crazy, but uh, the last couple of days there's been some reports coming out of uh, Matt Nagy changing the culture around Dallas Hall, and I want to stress how important that that is because not only have the Bears not been successful on the field off the field. There's been turmoil for the better part of the decade. You know, we've heard the stories about uh, Brandon Marshall arguing in, in the locker room, yelling at guys after games, Jay Cutler not being an effective leader, and then for the last couple seasons, just the overarching reality that they're not going to be competitive because of the roster that was put out there. The culture needs to change just as much as the roster needs to change. And hearing that Matt Nagy's doing everything in his power to move that culture forward, to get behind a Mitch Trubisky, to breathe life into these guys and talk to them in a way that convinces them that they're contenders before they even step on the field, I think is so important. And Football's a, a physical game, but so much of it is played in the time before the whistle, outside of the lines. Whether it's preparation, watching film, whether it's physical preparation, but mental preparation is so big in the game. Stepping on the field with a notion that you don't have a shot is the worst thing you can do. Even an inkling in the back of your head that you're not the better football team on that field is going to be detrimental to you. The fact that Matt Nagy is doing everything he can to move the culture forward at Hallis Hall and dispel those thoughts of underdog mentality or the, the thoughts that we're playing from behind already is so important for the Bears' success both this year and in the next five years, ten years, down the line. Their road to success, the way that this franchise is going to build, starts with an idea, with a thought of positivity, and not to get too woo-woo or zen here. Hopefully Matt Nagy can be the guy to move that thought, to move that mentality within Hallis Hall to to a victory mentality. That's all I got. Well, you, you got me ready for a Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl or bust, Matt. Super Bowl or bust. Give it a couple of years, then we can get excited. But uh, well, yeah, we'll give it uh, two. Two years? Two, I think two years is fair. Yeah. All right. Matt, well, uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Moose and Runes listeners, for tuning in to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 56. As always, subscribe, like, share, everything. We appreciate you guys. Keep sending the mailbags because personally, that's my favorite part of this podcast. We hope to get a lot of them from you and uh, we'll hit two or three of them in the next podcast if we get them in. So uh, send us those mailbags. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. That'll do it for episode 56. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We'll see you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise. 
and the blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.